Hello, hello, my honorary spiritual bitches. I'm so happy to have you be listening to this. Um, This episode, we're going to get really real. We're going to dive in deep. I'm going to share something that um, I don't normally talk about. So I'm just so honored to be sharing this and be in this space with all of you. And before we dive into that, I wanted to share... Hello, guys, the lemonade stand, it's still going, it's still flowing, and in fact, we're extending the lemonade stand until June 15th. Now, we have some really exciting news, which I'm not ready to announce just yet. I know, I know, I know, I'm such a tease. Um, But if you want to stay in the loop, I recommend signing up to my newsletter, okay? I'll leave a link into it with the Anchor show notes. And um, it's a great way to figure out this exciting new stuff that's coming around. It's going to be fabulous. You're going to love it. And if you're loving the spiritual bitches space, you want to be a part of it. So remember, the Blythe Mitra's Lemonade Stand is a gathering of mostly free offerings. The only thing I still charge for is for coaching emails. Everything else is free. You can get one-on-one coaching sessions with me. Um, You also get the Pink Lemonade Social Hour and you get all of the free IG video content, which is super fun, super great. So if you want to check out any of that, um, you know, go to the show notes. I'll have a link there. And with that, I'll leave that be, but I just, I can't wait to share with you what we have coming up. Hopefully I can share with you that next week. And without further ado, I say, let's get this show on the road. From Blythe Mitral Studios, just off the I-90 Trail in Beacon Hill, it's Spiritual Bitches of Seattle with Brittany Marie. Now here she is, the spiritual bitch herself, it's Brittany Marie. Oh my gosh, you know I can't wait. Yes. We are in today with another hot episode. I am so happy. I am so thrilled to have you here. We go in deep. We go in very spiritual and a different way than what we have done before really aligning with self and how to show up with self in a grounding space, be authentically who we are. So I can't wait for you to meet the spiritual bitch. You're going to love her. I love her. I want to have her back. I want to have her more, but we have her for now and let's be grateful for that. And I say, let's do this, my friends. Yes. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming me so warmly. I'm Brittany Marie, your host, and you will not believe who I have in my chair today. The beautiful, absolutely stunning Sadie Bingham. (laughs) (laughs) So she's, she does holistic psychotherapy, which is just phenomenal. So what she does is she strives to empower her clients through a collaborative approach to therapy. Yes, applaud that. I love it. Um, A collaborative approach to therapy to embark on their own journey of healing, exploration, and connecting the mind, body, and spirit. Do you hear them? They're going crazy for you. They're loving it. They're loving it. Why, thank you. Um, So you're based in Gig Harbor. Yeah, yeah. I moved from... 
West Seattle to Gig Harbor because essentially we were getting pushed out of our little house that we were living in West Seattle. We realized that the person who owned the house was going to be selling it to put a high rise in. My husband (gasps) and I were like, well, it's time to leave. We need to buy a place. And so we were looking for a place like North Bend, Snoqualmie, but far too expensive. And so south we went because it was close to the Olympics. Okay. And we've been there for like three years, enjoying it somewhat, some mm-hmm. days, um, much quieter. And um, it's taken a while to kind of get into the community, but now I'm feeling the community and it feels really good and oh. I'm really appreciating it now. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah. That's fabulous. Well, I, you came here from Gay Carver. Yeah. I know that we have an event that we're going to later. Yes. Hashtag. We're going to hang out afterwards. Yes, we are. But I really do appreciate you coming out here and being in this space. It's my pleasure. I really make sure that I travel to be with my friends and to still be involved. It's part of the commitment I made to myself to make sure that I'm still seeing my community in Seattle. So it's not an issue. Oh I love gosh. getting out of Gay Carver. The audience has never gone crazy this early for a host. <laughs> they love you. They love you. Oh um, no, I think that's fabulous. I mean, that's something that I definitely, um, yeah, how do I say this? I, I feel as if I'm always the person who wants to show up in those spaces and um, who takes the extra mile. And it's so nice to hear that you do that too, but that you're also getting reciprocation back. Yeah. You know? My uh, friends, who I consider my sisters, they absolutely travel to Gig Harbor to visit me. And since I am the one that chose to move away, I think it's extra important for me to come visit. And what I do is I do sleepovers. So I feel like I'm a kid. I spend the night at all. And it becomes like an event. Like I, I look forward to it because I get to spend the night at their house and they take care of me. And basically I just like let it all hang out and they like clean up my chin for me because I'll have food or something (laughs) just like have a blast and make a mess in their house and it feels really good that's fabulous that's so fun I can't remember the last time I had a slumber party and I've I've wanted to do it for a while I I probably meet with my best friends once a month for slumber parties and it is life-giving and like I feel like a different person when I leave it sounds like you guys, I mean, you're, you're, it's a group that you trust, that you love, that mm-hmm. you feel sisterhood, special mm-hmm. bond with. Mm-hmm. And another level, it feels like it's a retreat that you go to once a month. Yeah, because I think that we show up to our sleepovers and we're frazzled and drained. Yeah. And we usually take the day, like the first night, um, where, you know, we're still kind of like shaken off the stressful week or what's going on in our lives. And We'll be laughing a lot the first day, and then I notice the next day where we'll go, like, break bread and get brunch is when the tears come out because we've kind of, like, stripped a layer, and um, that's where a lot of healing occurs, and then by the time we say goodbye, we feel renewed, and that is just, like, the power of sisterhood. It's magical. That is amazing. That is amazing. Something I strive to find in my own (laughs) life. I'm going to model you. (laughs) The first thing I want to get into, um, well, there's a couple things. Yeah. You know, I just kind of want to explain to the audience a little bit, uh, to our listeners. So we've met before. We yeah. met a year ago. Yeah. And I was immediately drawn to you. 
I was so drawn to your energy. Also, also your friend Kobe, mm-hmm. who um, it sounds like we're going to have on the podcast. Keep your fingers crossed. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, But yeah, no, I was instantly drawn to you two. And I think, you know, there was just something so welcoming about you both and just the way you guys shine and, mm-hmm. and just in general. And um, something that I get from you and especially I love following you on Instagram. I'm, I'm an Instagram person. Cause mm-hmm. I think it's just, I think it's fun and mm-hmm. you can filter what you want, you yeah. know, which I appreciate. <laughs> um, but something I really get from you and from meeting you then and, and just continuing on watching you is that you're just, you're so kind and bright and joyful. And I feel that's really beautiful mixed in with, you know, you've got this wilderness spirit Aww. and you're, you know, have this adventurous, you know, free spirit kind of energy and it's just just, it's so it's so fun to see and to be near that's so kind of you like that just warms my heart because I don't know I think that it's easy to kind of write that off and like like the kindness or like the joy because we're all so serious nowadays yeah um but I really feel like I'm aging backwards. Like, I feel more playful, more alive, more adventurous now than I ever was. I was such a serious kid growing up. I took everything so seriously. And now I feel more liberated. And so I think it kind of comes out because I don't really care what people think about me. And that's been a journey. But yeah. I just want to show up and really be present and maybe – that was like why you and I could click. Yeah. 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 It was awesome. Yeah. Oh no. I totally. And I think, you know, again, that speaks to, I I think that makes sense to me that you're kind of, you know, like you said, aging backwards in the sense of like joyfulness and energy, Um, especially, you know, reading your noble darkness. So Mm. you have a beautiful blog post specifically about how you dive into spirituality. Mm -hmm. That's that's noble darkness and something that you shared with me. And I'm, I'm really glad you did. And, um, and reading that and meeting you, it it makes sense that that's happening, right? Cause you're, you've taken such ownership. Mm -hmm. You've been through, you know, this journey. And that's actually not a normal conversation that I have on this podcast is specifically like what has been your journey. Mm -hmm. But I feel that, your story on um, Noble Darkness was was very strong. Oh, thank you. Um, so I'd love to talk about it. And yeah, like I just think it's so real and so true. And and I just want to say real quick before you dive in, because uh-huh. I, I would love for you to, to give us all the tea, mm-hmm. you know, for the <laughs> listener format. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to share, and you have this as one of your bolded lines, but I, I felt so connected when you wrote, and you realize how exhausted your soul is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was oh my gosh I felt like that was poetry that spoke to me it was it was greater poetry than than a three-page poem mm. you know and as far as like connecting and having a story with and I really felt that oh thank you yeah um I think to me that line really describes all the hustling for worthiness yes oh even for worthiness (laughs) yes yes um we all want to be seen and so we're constantly just working our asses off to be what we think will like get us known by the people around us and hopefully ourselves and so I think for me that blog post is about my first retreat where I did something by myself and I spent time with myself um it just felt like 
I just cannot do this anymore. I cannot fake anymore. I cannot put a mask on anymore um, because I now know that it's just, it's no longer in sync with who I'm going to be. Um, and it takes a lot of stripping away. Like on those retreats, we basically, we don't look at each other. We don't read. We don't write. We meditate all day. We're not talking um, it takes a lot of the stripping away of all that noise to realize like what is underneath. We're so busy all the time. We have no idea what's underneath because we are like frantically moving around. Yeah. 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 No, it's so true. I mean, we, we get lost in all the things that we should be doing. And I love, I love telling people this, you know, repeating Tony, Tony Robbins words, don't shit all over yourself, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, um, really being in the flow and being connected to self and however it means to get there, I, you know, do it. Yeah. Cause it's just so vital. So that retreat was really vital for me because I had just come from a lot of trauma, mm -hmm. um, a really traumatic breakup and I had finally surrendered to my spirituality it kind of rescued me through a breakdown that became my breakthrough um and that retreat was like facing a lot of the pain and suffering um and being with it and finally so like maybe I was 23 when I went on that retreat finally letting my system know that the suffering was going to have a place in my body, that it was allowed to be here and I was not going to push it away. And so in that blog post, I wrote about how I would go out into the woods at like 10 p.m. at night and sit there and like be with the fear and the anxiety because like the heart is racing, you can't see anything, um, all like – the noises now feel a little bit more precarious because it's dark and like at night is when things feel a lot scarier and you feel a lot more hopeless. And so it was, it was just about embracing that part of me that I had spent 23 years denying. I had just been trying to entertain away the pain to be like entertaining Sadie, to be the jokester, to just mm. like pretend that everything was okay and it just wasn't um so that retreat was really special to me because I finally had some sort of peace with the suffering that I had been denying for so many years yeah yeah that's heavy stuff it's heavy <laughs> stuff I mean that, those are things that I'm still going through right healing the trauma from my childhood and the neglect mm -hmm. and all the things you know that occurred and I did the same thing you know I was very big on putting on a persona mm -hmm. and I didn't even know that I was doing mm -hmm. it. Um, you know, it's not something I, I normally talk about or I'm very public about, but I, well, I'll just, yeah, I'll go and share it. I, I did. I, I had a suicide attempt because I realized one day it was like Christmas and I, I was working, I was a cashier and I realized that, oh my gosh, I am living my life for other people. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and I don't want to do it. I've been suffering. I've been hurting for so long. And I just don't want to do it anymore. I feel like this isn't the life I should be living. And because I was, you know, 18 or whatever, I think I was 18, I just instantly went to, like, so it should, like, the, I, it should end. Mm -hmm. Like, this isn't right. Mm -hmm. This isn't how things are supposed to go. 
And I was very emotional for me, but I felt very at peace and I felt very liberated. And I, I was feeling like pretty good about it till I was actually like in the actual attempt area. Um, and I was really surprised that I ended up waking up, but that was like, I mean, I, I've listened to a lot of, um, what's his name? Impact theory. Shoot. He's from Tacoma. Have you listened to impact theory? Is it a podcast? Yeah, it's a podcast and they do other stuff too. They make quest, quest bars. Um, shoot. Well, anyways, listening a lot to impact theory and, you know, a lot of what they have to talk about, um, you know, he, what he comes out and he says is that it makes sense that people think that suicide is the answer because they're trying to resolve it and they think like that's their best case scenario. Yeah. But they're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I understand though the decision and the path to do that. And, um, yeah. And I, I felt like that was a gift to myself. I was giving a gift. And when I woke up, I was really disappointed. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, I say I know because I, I'm a social worker and I work with suicidal people on a weekly basis. Um, and so I, I hear that often that, um, to not make a suicide attempt work feels like another failure and it's very, can be very disappointing. Um, and I just appreciate so much that you shared that. Uh, yeah. I, I really do. I I know that I f- did not grow up in a family or a society that supported suffering, but instead sent the message that we must be happy or we must just like always act like things are okay. And so yes. I internalized that yeah. like what I was feeling inside was not okay. And I probably had anxiety, debilitating anxiety my entire life. Um, I thought it began when I was like eight, but now I'm in therapy and I'm realizing it was more like three or four. But what happens with anxiety is you just learn to hide it. You learn to feel this way and to never let anybody know about it. And my family really didn't know that because they didn't, we didn't talk about mental health and nobody, we were just living, you know, and so there was not a space where I could even explain what was going on. Mm. And finally, when I was 16 or 17, I was in therapy for the first time and I explained to my therapist, I'm having obsessive thoughts and I've been having obsessive thoughts since I was very young and I'm in so much physical pain because anxiety is a physical reaction. Um, what is going on? And he goes, oh, you have anxiety. And he was so nonchalant. It was like, what? There's a name to this? Like, I had no idea. So for so many years, I just denied, just denied that kind of like freak out where I basically always felt like there was danger around the corner. And that was how I lived my life. Um, So when I kind of had my spiritual moment was when... I read The Wise Heart by Jack Kornfield, which is on Buddhist psychology, from the prompting of my therapist, who I had seen when I was 16 or 17 and then had gone back to when I was 23 and was like, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm feeling overwhelmed, um, to say the least. It was more like I have, I want to give up. It was a sense of like exasperation when I went back when I was 23. And he gave me that book. And it was the first time I had ever read anything that said suffering is a part of the human experience. 
Oh, my God. It felt like, oh, my God, it's okay to be me. It's okay to suffer. And, like, I can stop pretending. I can just be sad and just be scared. And it was medicine. Reading the Buddhist teachings, which are the Dharma, it was like there is suffering and to be a human, you are going to suffer. When we enter the world, it is a painful experience. We're crying. We have no idea. We're now in a different realm. We just like did this kind of like traumatic entrance into the world and an exit from the womb. And then we're all going to get sick and that is suffering. And then we're all going to lose the people that we love and that is suffering. And then we're all going to die and that is suffering. So like just realize that this is a part of it and just be okay with it. And um, again, we do not live in a society that speaks truth like that. We live in a society that's constantly trying to tell us that like who we are as humans is not okay. And so that I think is where there's constantly this like contrast and there's like why people feel like there are no other options is because there is not a lot telling us that like who we are in this like melancholy experience is okay. So for me, that was like a door had opened and I finally surrendered. It was not me giving up, but it was like I'm surrendering to the pain. And that's why I feel like now I'm frisky. I'm like a frisky puppy because I spent <laughs> so many years. I've been practicing Buddhism for 10 years and I have gotten to know my suffering so intimately that it doesn't scare me anymore. I'm like, bring it on. Like, I'm totally okay with suffering because I was willing to like face that darkness, which is what noble darkness is about, mm -hmm. facing it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. That's beautiful. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you for being so vulnerable. Yeah. I don't know how else to be. I yes. just <laughs> have to I know, go but there. It's, it's, I mean, it's so refreshing, right? It's so refreshing to be present and to be level with someone. I'm scared right now, though. Like, my heart's beating a little bit. It's like vulnerability is scary. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's okay to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> and the audience agrees. The audience agrees. Yes, and so you kind of you touched base on that a little bit, but I, I would love to dive into um, more specifically because before you, I mean, you got your degree in social work. Yeah. What has been your journey from social work into your practice now? Like my private practice or my spiritual practice or both, maybe? Maybe both. Okay. I was talking your private practice, but yeah. Okay. Bring on the both. So I basically found you know how the universe, like they say, it works in threes? Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like when I was having my emotional breakdown that led to my spiritual breakthrough, I eventually told the universe, like, I give up. Whatever you send me, I will finally say yes to it, and I will get out of my own way. And so the universe sent me Buddhism, yoga, and the third one I think might be my husband who – there's a lot, there was a lot of challenge in the beginning, but um, I really feel like he helped me spiritually evolve in many ways. And I then, when I had kind of like started, just it clicked in my mind and I was practicing Buddhism and I was going to yoga on a regular basis, I had gotten accepted into grad school at the UW for social work. And I had really changed. So like growing up, I was called 
shady Sadie because I was so shady. I was like constantly trying to make sure that like I was getting the best of everything. I was afraid people would take advantage of me. So Mm. I was very shady and I would always just be looking out for myself. So when I had started practicing Buddhism and yoga, I became really loving. So I kind of went on the other end of the spectrum, which was like super kindness, always being compassionate and really trying to like open my heart. And that was through grad school. And then when I completed grad school, I started working for Child Protective Services and I did that for four years. And I really had a difficult time working for CPS because of my spiritual practice I think I just felt like it wasn't in alignment with who I was and what my values were but that was the decision I made and I was in a program where they paid for my grad school so then I was like an indentured servant oh so I was like stuck and I had to use my practice it was like how do you (sighs) accept you don't have a choice you're not gonna like not do this commitment because I wanted all my loans to be paid for So how can you learn from this experience? I did everything I could in every moment where I was going into somebody's home. And basically, I had so much privilege and so much power as like coming from the government. And a lot of the people were marginalized and minorities. And they had to somehow, we had to work together. And I had to know in my heart what I was bringing into those rooms and those conversations and find a way to meet them on a human level. So I use my spiritual practice essentially where I knew through my Buddhist practice that every single person has, no matter what, they have integrity and decency and dignity and they all deserve respect. So I walked into the houses like that and that's an energetic exchange that I know those parents that I worked with felt because I had such great, I mean, I just love my parents. Like here I was essentially the, like the worst person ever. And yet we could find common ground and we could work together because I really saw them as just like a person that was suffering, trying to do the best that they could. And I did not bring my judgments in. And I really checked my ego at the door every single day that I showed up. And that was a difficult experience, but again, I had learned so much about challenges and difficulties through my spiritual practice that I was not afraid of the difficult experience. I just kept my head down and did the work, and I'm so grateful that I did. And now I kind of have like a pinch me, this is the most amazing situation ever profession where I am able to meet people on their worst day Mm. when I meet them in the emergency department and they're feeling suicidal. And I'm able to say, like, look, I have a lot of power. I can detain you. And if you want to walk out here, you'll be, like, slammed against the bed by security and tied up. And or I can hear what your needs and desires are hear your suffering and we can roll up our sleeves and get to work. And I kind of just started realizing that my mellowness and like my ability to be present with my clients and patients was having this profound effect because like the most, 
you know, the patients that everybody was kind of talking poorly about, I would go in the room and just bond with them because I was just meeting them where they were and I saw their basic humanity, which was like love and dignity and integrity and it just felt really good. And then my patients that I was working with would say, can you be my therapist? Can you be my therapist? So then it started to come into my mind like, oh, maybe I should do private practice. And so now I'm doing both, which I really love because I love the skill set of going in. It's an honor to be with people in those moments when they're having the worst day ever in the emergency department and they're feeling like they want to kill themselves like, and that they open up to me. Like That's an honor to get that information. And then in my private practice, I'm really focused on building consciousness. And it's more of like, how can we expand? And then you're going to go out into the universe and you're going to be a more like conscientious person and you're going to be thinking and we're having these deep discussions and hopefully it's a ripple effect and I know it is because we're all interconnected so I feel like both areas the emergency department social work and also the private practice is serving like my spirituality it's filling up my cup and it's also serving the universe (laughs) wow yeah so kind of two ends of the spectrum but they great they create a wonderful balance I like I had this when you were at the end of that I had this vision of two cups of like these two like goblets but like spiritual goblets if you will and I was seeing like you know water or something flowing into them and there were like flowers in the background and this deeper red and it was just so vibrant um it's really funny because my a lot of my professional colleagues will say, you're so perky, Sadie, you're so happy. And it's kind of a diss, I think, because a lot of social workers who are burnt out, you know, we get kind of edgy, and I totally get that. Mm. Um, We're so jaded by the system. Uh, But it's almost like um, a criticism, I think, because I'm not acting like everyone else, but it's a choice, you know? It's like... I'm not going to, like, get bogged down. And when I realize I'm getting bogged down, then I'm not of service. And I need to figure that out and move on. But I've always been told you're too nice. Like, I'm too nice to the patients. But I would way rather be criticized for being too nice than just be mean to people for because I'm unhappy and I don't have my stuff together. And yeah. I'm not going to be like that. So I always felt like I had positive outcomes with the people because there was, like, just – there was an understanding between us that I respected you and you were, you should respect to me. And really the patients are my favorites. Like I, I love them. It's working with like the doctors and the nurses and like the other institutions that can be more of a rub, but the patients Mm -hmm. are awesome. Yeah. 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 I know. I think, I think that's great. You know, like you lead with your kindness and if people have an issue with that, well, I don't know where you put that. Right. Yeah. I I agree, you know, and it sounds, you know, from what you've shared with us that your relationships with your patients are so in depth Mm. and moving and are so full of life and hope. Right. And I don't know. I just, it makes me think if they're not approaching it with the same kindness, I, I don't know. I don't know the situation, but I, I wonder if they're receiving the same success that you are, you know, and it's, uh, but again, even if they are, I'd rather receive that success with kindness and, um, connection. Um, it makes me think what you're saying 
it's also kind of related to the spirituality because once uh, you practice spirituality for so long, it becomes your life. Yeah. One thing that was once a curiosity now for me is like my North Star. It guides every single move I make, every decision, and every interaction. So my spirituality taught me that everything is meaningful and everything is powerful. And so if I can just like have a moment with somebody where I am with them and cultivating awareness and creating space and holding pain and suffering alongside with them, that matters. And I don't need to change their lives, but I'm going to like just move the needle forward just a tiny bit and just show them that like people do care and that it's not all just like a lost cause that like I can be a stranger and I can still like feel with you. I'm not afraid to feel that pain with you either. Mm. Oh, it's so good. I'm so glad that you're doing what you're doing. I I kind of have an idea, Mm -hmm. right? But the thing is, is that you do such strong work with your clients, right? What you're doing is very powerful. And, you know, for me, I think on a regular basis, you know, I I don't actually know what the schedule is like, but it sounds like maybe energy draining or it's just, you know, very, again, Mm -hmm. very powerful. So I'm just wondering, how do you, how do you prepare yourself? How do you show up to that? Like, do you have a morning routine Mm -hmm. or how do you ground yourself? So I'm thinking a lot about the listeners and like where they are. You know, not everyone is going to be like 10 years in like me. And so for me to even talk about my morning routine, it seems like a dream. It's like so beautiful. It's like how, oh yeah, that's awesome for you, but there's no way I can do this. So I really remember when I was working CPS and doing like the nine to five grind, probably doing 50 hours a week and not really feeling like I had time to meditate or something like that or go to yoga. But what I did was I leaned into what I could do. And so for that person that is like so busy in their lives and they have their plates full and their hands full, I think that this is for them where it's like, can I take a moment and just be in this moment? Or can I take a minute and focus on my breath? Or can I take five minutes and focus on my breath? Or can I go to yoga two days a week, you know? And that's kind of what I did. And I just took what I could. I did retreats. I was not financially able to go on retreats whenever I wanted. So I applied for scholarships and that's how I got into my retreats and I could afford it. And I loved yoga so much. That was a part of my healing because I was so disconnected to my body that yoga finally aligned everything and made it all integrated. I cleaned the studio once a week so that I could practice yoga because I was not rich and yoga is made for a lot of upper class white people yeah yes <laughs> so, it is. <laughs> so that's what I did and and it was like I sacrificed you know because I would clean on Saturday night and I was in my 20s like who wants to do that all my friends were going out and drinking and like having fun and socializing and I was cleaning a yoga studio but my spiritual practice was so important to me like I didn't even know what it was but I knew it was important because my soul was alive even though like I couldn't quite intellectually understand what was happening something stronger was telling me this is what you need to do you need to like be practicing yoga and since you can't afford it you need to clean and you need to like sit for one minute your mind is racing 
But for some reason, this is like resonating on a deeper level. So just get out of your own way. And so that's what I did in the beginning. And since now the spirituality has really come to the forefront, I slowly over 10 years created a lifestyle that now matches my spirituality. So when I once had lived in the tiniest little apartment where I had maybe a little Buddha on top of my dresser and I like would sit on the floor in front of the dresser and it was not aesthetically pleasing. Now I have the most like amazing space to sit and be with myself and to be with like something beyond me that I don't quite know, but I know that there's connection. And so what I'm saying is like, take your time. And if this is like the path, then things will land. So for me, I now have, I've changed my job so that I have really draining work, which is like 12 hour shifts in the emergency department where there's like machines going off and there's people interrupting me and my mindfulness is out the door. So I go into the chapel and I sit and that's how I carve out a little bit of time. Um, or I say to myself, like, look, there's not going to be a lot of awareness today. There's not going to be a lot of mindfulness just do your best and there's like just so much ease in that and just really being like kind to myself that like the idea of my spirituality is not going to get in the way of like what really is reality which is like it's just really busy in the emergency department and you're going to feel drained and so I would say like in the beginning I was doing a lot of output like being with people who are suffering and crying it's like draining on you and it's a superpower to be present and to be sensitive and I'm very sensitive so to feel their pain as if it was mine to be that empathic was draining and so what I did was I don't work full-time in the emergency department I do one day a week and that is just enough to like wet my palate and to like be present with people and I feel like when I'm with people I'm 100% there and so it is like good for me like it feels like I'm doing a good thing um and the other days, I take care of myself like it is my job because it is my job. It mm-hmm. is my job to make sure that I am going to yoga and that I'm sweating. Like, because I, my system is anxious. So I need to sweat and I need to like turn over energy. Energy needs to like cycle through me. Um, so I look at it like it's non-negotiable. It's brushing my teeth at this point. Like I don't walk out the door without brushing my teeth. So I'm going to hit the yoga studio today or I'm going to sit sometime today, but I'm really easeful. Um, To go to what my routine is now, I wake up hours and hours before I have to do anything so that I can ease into the day and get into an alignment. And by the time I meet a patient or a client, I have already just devoted myself to the, my practice and I am available. Like I just cannot ex- explain enough how it just feels like my life depends on all this like fine tuning and like the spiritual practice because my life does depend on it. Like mm-hmm. nothing matters unless I'm okay and I'm connected. Yeah. 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 I can get tangible if you want. If I can like go into like my routine if, if that would be helpful. No, I think I no, I think that's great. I think it's a wonderful answer. You know, sometimes people they they give more specific mm-hmm. their actual steps. And mm-hmm. I think what you're speaking to is is great because, you know, 
I like talking about morning routines or just, you know, whatever it is that you do to ground because when I was figuring out what was right for me, that's what I was always really hungry for when I was listening to podcasts or influencers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, you know, in case there is, like, even it's just one listener out there who's trying to figure out what's right for them. I, I do, I, I like having that conversation and I think it's fun. I think, you know, because there's, there's not a wrong and there's not a right way. Yeah. Except that there is, there's a right way that works for you. But as far as a specific wrong or right way, there's really not. I mean, meditation, I think we can all say is a big winner. Mm-hmm. Yoga is a big winner. Um, journaling, that's a big winner. Yet everyone approaches it differently. For mm-hmm. me, you know, I thought it was really important that I get an hour in of yoga every day if I could. And mm-hmm. now, like, I don't do yoga every day, but, and when I do, I do like 20 to mm-hmm. 30 minutes and mm-hmm. I just really make sure I get in a flow in and mm-hmm. it feels great. And, um, that works for me. Yeah. That works for me. And I always get a wonderful message. I, I'd rather go to a studio, you know, but sometimes it just doesn't work out with my routine yeah. or my space or I feel that sometimes that I am, um, having to sacrifice a creative download or a creative insight that I have received that day and I feel safer here at home Uh so I want to reward that I want to be in that space I want to connect with myself with the universe whatever's coming my way so I'll do yoga here Mm -hmm. but if I feel open if I feel ready I'm like yeah I'm ready to like really heal today I'm ready to hear a big message and that's what's really powerful about going to a studio yeah Yeah. you know Uh, because I connect deeper in another space and I think it's because it's not my safe space right like this is a safe space where I can kind of default if I want to like Mm -hmm. you know I mean I always really get into like a downward dog but sometimes I don't know what it is but child child pose I don't always like get really deep into and I feel like it's okay to not really get deep into here but if I go to a studio I'm gonna go deep oh yeah I see what you're saying I think it's because like I just have I give myself so much more allowances Mm -hmm. here for the safety Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which again and also like attacking SIBO is great it's great. So again, and I'm kind of going on a, a big thing about yoga and whatever, but the point is, is that it's more so whatever feels right for you. Yeah. And I think that's what you're really speaking to in a beautiful way. I think like wellness now is a billion dollar industry. Oh, Maybe yeah. trillion. I think it might be trillion. <laughs> oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. There's a lot of striving in wellness. And I think it's just another trap for a bunch of type A women to like kind of get lost in where we're trying to be perfect. Now we want to be the perfect yogi. Oh yeah, it's not it's not the fifties, you know, housewife. We don't want the hoop skirt anymore. We want that perfect yoga body and yeah. to say that we went to yoga. And to we be like to the brunch. Zen, the Zen persona. My husband, who I'm obsessed with, like he's amazing, but he would sometimes say in the beginning of my spiritual practice, that's not very Zen of you, because I was a hot mess. And I'm like, no, it is Zen of me to be with who I am in this moment and yes. to be like a mess like that is zen to like face reality right now I'm yes. out of control and I'm screaming and upset you know so anyways but yeah this like idea of like to me it's like the idea of spirituality can be a little bit of a trap mm. and so the when I brought up kind of like the way I approach my self-care practice it's like well this means so much to me that ego does not have a place in this part of my life. So ego, like, you got to stop because if all I can get is one minute, then that is enough. And it's like, 
if all I can do is 20 minutes at home because I don't want to like go out into the like community right now, I'm tired or something like, then that is perfection. Mm -hmm. You're doing exactly what you need to be doing. But I don't get too prescriptive about what I do because I'm always in flow and I'm always paying attention to what feels good. Like today I haven't meditated because I was having a blast listening to my music all morning and that mm. was like connection. And, and so I guess it's really like about attitude and perspective. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just do what feels right and kind of, whatever is your level. Cause I think when we are seekers, we listen to everybody else and we put them on a pedestal. And like, we think that we need to be doing it exactly like that. Like we all want a prescription because we're not willing to kind of like stumble around, you know, we're not willing to like figure it out for ourselves. So I know that I used to go to my Buddhist teacher and be like, tell me what to do so I can be exactly like you and be like a Dharma teacher and be Zen and he would be like absolutely not you have to figure this out on your own and I'm like oh no but that's like where the where the growth comes is like oh that was a not gift. knowing yeah oh he he's smart he knows what's going on so he knew that like part of my path and like something I have on my website and what I really believe is that like it is not outside you it is within you the more you figure out what is good for you is what is like going to last so it's not so, so sometimes I think like spirituality and the culture of wellness can be um like wearing mala beads or having the flowy pants or the tight yoga outfit or like having the crystals everywhere or something like that and I used to totally fall into that because I wanted the persona of the spiritual person and now I'm like no None of those will save me. I've become a yoga instructor and taught yoga, and I wasn't happy. I have practiced Buddhism for 10 years, and I still am a hot mess. And I have gotten all the right crystals, and I'm still suffering. So it's not outside me. It is inside me. It's like all the work, all the answers are inside me. It is not outside me. So that's just kind of how, how I've, when I've been paying attention, I realize every time I've looked outside myself, it's like for the answers, mm -hmm. I just got to turn it back around and look inside. Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> beautiful. So beautiful. I love it. Um, yeah. Okay. So something, you know, that we already kind of talked about, touched on a little bit, but that community is, is so, it's so big for you. Mm -hmm. And also I feel like safe spaces, you know, are important and as well as your need to explore, right? So I feel like community and safe space, right? It's it's like this regular area, but then you go out and the, there's these beautiful photos that you that you post with with your husband, and it's very you know it's, it's so beautiful, and that you like go out with your with your beautiful dog, and, and that's a persona. Space. That's the image I'm trying to portray. Usually, we're fighting right before those photos are snapped. <laughs> <laughs> Brian and I would be doing the same thing. He's like, I don't know why we have to like take a photo. I don't know why it's necessary. But I, I think the point is, is that you do go out and you make time to go to go out and to explore. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm just wondering, how do you how do you balance that that need to explore with everything else that you're creating? Is that does that help you stay more grounded with your anxiety, or how does that all play in? I think like. What I've realized through exploring and adventure, because yeah. I kind of feel like what we do when we go out into the wilderness is we are having an adventure. 
it makes me feel alive. And it, I know from my husband's perspective, he agrees. The reason why we started to explore was because he stopped drinking and he needed to find an activity that he could do that was not going to the bars with his friend. Mm. And so all of a sudden, it was like this world was open to us that we were never tapped into because we were drinking or something. I, I mean, me socially, but him a little bit more seriously. Um, and I think for him, it it finally was a sense of feeling alive that you kind of get when you're intoxicated or something like that. And for me, I am extremely afraid of heights. And I, through this experience of exploring, I have faced a lot of fears and like been on the sides of mountains with like drop-offs and had to like be super focused in order to like not fall and and so it kind of like gives you that feeling of aliveness that I think a lot of us are searching for because again I think a lot of us are dulled in our society um so being immersed in nature is um a basic need for us like we have to be around things that are from the earth like because we're both anxious and so we need grounding energies around us, um, which is kind of why we had to move from West Seattle to a place that was more quiet. We live in a pretty secluded area where there are, like, animals everywhere and there's, like, not a lot of noise pollution. And, like, when I get out at, f- like, 5 p.m., I look up and I see the moon and the stars because there's not a lot of light, so you can really see. And so, like, for us – it's just, it's got to be there. And that is because we've realized it really improves our mental wellness. Um, I think we balance it by making it a priority. Like if you're a person who suffers from like depression or anxiety or have come from a lot of trauma and you have found like a solvent, which is like nature, and all of a sudden you feel connected when really you walk around this earth feeling so disconnected from everything and all of a sudden it clicks like oh my gosh I'm a part of all this like you can't turn away from it it's a calling and so for us adventuring and exploring it's like a value now I mean we chose to move out of the city to go to someplace more quiet and rural because like we needed to match our values and and so it's also something that through a lot of intention has been a lifestyle change and now it's just part of our lifestyle it's like oh yeah we need to go we need to go adventure like I'm feeling the itch we got to get out and we have like a whole setup now where it's easy because we've been doing it you know we've like had a schedule and a routine and now we can just easily jump in the car and go play and playing is important and part of that adventure is we feel like kids again we're like like jumping from boulders and we're jumping into ice cold water and we're like staring at fire like it's the most magical thing in the world and we're like reading <laughs> we're reading books by the campfire and we're like drinking disgusting like coffee but we're having a blast because we're like kids again yeah and so it's important to us oh my gosh it's so good I do I do recommend that people follow you on Instagram because I think it's just I it's such a I feel like your posts are a breath of fresh air. And I think that's why I, I'm so glad that you shared your blogs with me. Um because I, I think that 
you know, and being in the space of, you know, creating your own business and having your own practice and having to show up, right? Do you see a lot of people who, you know, I do look to people sometimes that like, mm, does it kind of mesh with me? I, I like seeing options. I like seeing variety. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of coaches and people in the wellness areas who kind of blog and tailor it so that way they can land a sale. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel something authentic of just like whatever they felt like putting out, this is what they put out. It feels like it's, it was obligated. Like they had a weekly post that they had to post. Oh, yeah. Or Yeah, you can feel it. It's like yeah. you can feel the intention through the photo or the yeah. caption. Yeah. And I feel like with yours, you know, what I've encountered so far, it just feels as if you're just, you're just put it out there, man. Like this is you, this is you and your journey. And I think that's really refreshing. And, and so I think, I think you guys should, you absolutely should go to sadiebinghamtherapy.com, sadiebinghamtherapy.com. And to follow you on, on Instagram is Sadie Bing. So no H A M. It's just Bing. Also, these will be in the show notes. It's sad Bing. Oh, it's sad Bing. So it's like the first part of my first name, S-A-D. Okay. Sad. And then Bing is like the first part of my last name. And the reason sad Bing exists was because that would be like the little um, sticker sticking out of my library books when I would go pick up my library books from the oh. library. It would say sad Bing. Yeah. And uh, it just was like such a great compilation of my name. Yeah. I was like, that's got to be the Instagram name. Well, because you also are like, I mean, you're so big on suffering, right? Like having that be a part of your life and having that be okay. Yeah. Um, I think that's wonderful. I did not really, I thought it was, I thought it was Sadie Bing. So I'm glad he corrected me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and is there anything that you, that you want to lead listeners to? Well, they can always reach out to me through Instagram. So like Sad Bing, you can always, I'm public, so you can send me a message that way. Or you can reach out to me through my website, sadiebinghamtherapy.com, and I'm happy to respond to all those. Any inquiries, I would love that. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. And I've so loved having you here. Thank you. This Uh, has been a lot of fun. Oh, good. Oh, good. I'm glad you see it that way. (laughs) And um, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to come. Maybe I'll have to have you back. I I would love that. I feel like there's such good gems, such good gems from our conversation that could just keep going and going and going. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And I just feel like these conversations are so important and they're so needed. And this is the era of consciousness. So you're doing exactly what needs to be done. Oh my gosh. Sadie, thank you. (laughs) You're doing it. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. I feel so good. I feel so good. Um, Guys, you've been so wonderful. Uh, Check out Sadie. She's amazing. Clearly, you know, you just listen to her. And, um, yeah, until next time, I'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Thank you.